chapter two, and let's get into it. Verse number, we, last week we preached on verses one and two. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. That's jumping off of chapter one where it says, if, you, if we say Christian people that we don't have any sin, we lie and deceive ourselves, truth not in us. He said, I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We preached on the fact that Jesus Christ is our advocate. He is our lawyer, our attorney. He stands up for us against the accuser of the brethren, Satan, and, uh, and pleads our case and has never lost a case and never will. And then in verse number two, it said he is the perpetuation. We said that perpetuation means that he is the one who satisfied the just demands of a holy God. I don't satisfy God. I don't satisfy myself, much less God. Amen. Amen. But God is satisfied with the payment of our sin in Jesus Christ. You need to get that. You can't be good enough, give enough, work enough, serve enough, go to church enough, get baptized enough. You can't do anything to satisfy the just demands of the Holy God. There's only one thing paid for your sin and my sin, that's the blood of Jesus Christ. And he is our perpetuation. He satisfied the just and holy demands of a holy God against our sin. And the bill was paid in full with the blood of Jesus Christ. Game's over, amen. You don't belong to the devil no more. Belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, a purchased possession redeemed by the the blood. And it said, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Now he has established this fact that as the little children of God, that uh, don't go around saying you haven't sinned. This is chapter one. Let's get real. He said, uh, uh, you're having flesh nature and it's going to sin. And we're going to talk about this later on. And I'm going to tell you something. I would be here in the next couple of three weeks because I'm telling you, I'm going to get into some stuff that will roll your boat will help you. It changed my life. Somebody walked up to me the other day and said, Brother Reggie, what is there a particular verse that changed you from believing when you first were saved and started to preach that you could lose your salvation to where you understood you can't? I said, yes. And it was First John chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Don't go there right now, but I'm going to preach on that. I'm going to show you how the Holy Spirit revealed to me clearly, and all of a sudden the entire Bible made sense to me by that verse. Now, so uh, but he talked about if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, truth is not in us. But he said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, so he's taking this precedent as a Christian. Don't say you don't sin. But if you do sin, God's got provision for that, just as he has provision for your salvation. And he said he's our perpetuation. It's God that satisfies. It's Christ that satisfies God, not you. Now. You're going to get into something real important. He said, now, okay, we got that settled in your Christian experience and growth. He said, now we're going to deal with something. Don't deceive yourself about whether you're saved or not. Amen. Not everybody says they're saved. saved. Right. Right. He said, another issue we're going to handle right here, the Holy Ghost said, is we're going to want you to know that you're saved if you are saved. He, God does not want you wondering whether you're saved or not. Amen. God wants you to know whether you're saved. And by the way, let me put this to you. The word know, the word know in 1 John and 3 John is given 28 times. It is a major word that the Apostle John writes in these little epistles. 28 times he writes the word know. You know what that tells me? God wants you to know whether you're saved or not. Amen. You walk up to the average person in the world and they, well, I hope I make it, might make it, don't know who will make it, hope I can, whatever. They do not know. God wants you. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not smart. But if, there's, if God in heaven is some kind of tormenting God that doesn't want you to know whether you're saved or not, he always wants you to wonder and die in confusion and wonder where you're going to go. He's a mean, cruel God. But he's not that at all. He, in fact, he clearly wants you to know without any doubt, without any question, whether you're saved or whether you're lost. God doesn't want you confused. God doesn't want you wondering. He doesn't want you wishing or wondering about it. He doesn't want you to die in fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but the power of love and a sound mind. In fact, 1 John chapter 5, verse 10 through 13 changed my life. This is the record that God had given unto us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. It's not in my preaching. It's not in your being good and going to church and being a nice person, obeying mom and daddy. Amen. Your salvation is not in any of that. This life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life. Not he that was baptized, not he that went to church, not he that did this and that and the other. He that hath the Son hath life, the eternal life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And then he said in verse 13, these things have I, God, written these things unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. God said, I don't want you wondering. But he also says, before he ever gets there in chapter 2, don't be fooled about whether you're saved or not. Now, I'm going to say some pretty tough things today, and I want you to uh, just hang on to your hats, and we're going to deal with something. I do not believe in preaching people lost. Now, I'm not going to hit nobody with this, so don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> Now, I just do want you to know if they're a little nailed in, this very, very sharp. I mean, it is sharp. All right, just keep this in mind. 
but <laughs> keep it in mind. <laughs> let's, do, let's do this, all right. I know how I am. I'm liable to forget to use it, and I don't want to forget to use it. Uh, wasn't it Roosevelt? Teddy Roosevelt said, walk softly, carry a big stick <laughs> with a nail on the end of it. <laughs> All right. So let's get in here. So he said this thing, but I don't want you fooled. I want you to know, and I'm going to give you a way that you can know whether you're saved or not. Now watch your Bible. It's up on the scripture here. Verse number three. And hereby we do know that we know him. How? Keep his commandments. Hmm. Do you mean to tell me, Reg, yours? I can know I'm saved by keeping God's commandments? Yeah. That's what it says. You don't need Greek, Hebrew, get that? Watch what he says. Hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Verse 4. He that saith, now watch this, he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Now, let me tell you what went on. I am probably closer in theologically, doctrinally to uh, independent fundamental Baptists than any other group. But I'm not a Baptist. I'm not nothing. I'm just a saved preacher. That's it. They are doctrinally straighter with the Bible than any group I know, though, as a group. But they have a problem. And that problem is that in their understanding of, of salvation by grace through faith, they'll shy away from anything about works. Not all of them, but as a general principle. And it's, well, I mean, if somebody talks about doing good works, I've had it done to me. It chopped my head off when I talk about we ought to do good works. And I'm not talking about being saved by good works. I'm talking about just doing good works because you're saved. But if you preach that very much, and if I preach this, well, they'll start hunkering down and saying, What's he get, what, is, he, is he alluding that? You're saved by keeping the commandments? Is that what he's trying to say? No, I'm not trying to say that you're saved by keeping the commandments. I am saying that if you are saved, God says you will. Now we're going to talk about what does it mean to keep the commandments? We're going to talk about that in a little bit. What does it mean to keep the commandments? Okay, so just hang on to your suit a little bit here because I want to tell you something. I'm, I'm going to be blunt with you. I believe there's people that go to church regularly here who are lost. I, I, I don't say that to be mean to you. Nothing. But I believe you're lost. And I'm going to tell you why I believe you're lost. You have no heart to keep his commandments. And I don't want you to die and go to hell. This is why John's writing this. I do not want you to be deceived. I want you to know, and you can know, and here's going to be the evidence. If I tell you that here's, if I tell you that this is an apple tree and it comes out walnuts, right. something ain't right there. Right. If I say this is an orange tree and it comes out bananas, you'll say something wasn't right. Reggie didn't know what he's looking at. God's saying, by the fruits you should know them. Okay. God says, I want you to know, and here's how you know. He said, let's read it again. Hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a what? Now, we're not talking about the Ten Commandments necessarily here. We're going to get into some stuff today. It'll rattle you. They're included, but we're not talking necessarily about that. We're not even just talking about what the commandments Jesus gave in the New Testament. We're talking about the Bible. When he says the commandments, he, he'll, inter, he'll interweave the word commandment and word, the word, the Bible. And so what he's saying is that if you are saved, there will be something in you that God did that makes you want to keep the commandments. All right. Now, understand clearly, I am never saying, nor is he saying that you're saved by keeping them. But he said there's an evidence that you are saved and there's an evidence that you're not saved about your attitude toward those commandments. And people don't like this. Now, verse number five, watch it. But whoso keepeth his word, there you get this intermixing with the word and the commandments, okay? Whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. God says you can know that you're in Christ by your conduct, and your heart condition 
after you profess to be saved. I don't care whether you like it or not. It's what the Bible says. I ain't preaching Reggie. I'm preaching the Bible. He that, watch this. He that saith. Now watch the, in verse number four it says, he that saith. There's one thing to talk it. One thing to say that you're saved. It's another thing to show the evidence of it. He that saith. He that saith. Verse number five. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Hmm. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The phrase from the beginning is going to be seven times in this book. It is John who wrote in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word and words with God. John always takes you back to the beginning. Jesus took people back to the beginning. He would say, ye have heard, ye have heard, and that wasn't Bible, what you heard. He said, from the beginning, it was not so. Jesus was constantly taking people from their traditions and their religious understandings back to the beginning in Genesis about every issue. All right. He said, verse eight, again, a new commandment. I do write, I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. He that saith, there's that phrase again, he that saith, he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. God says, you say you're saved, you're in Christ, and you hate your brother? You're a liar. You're deceived. Verse 10, he that loveth his brother abideth in light, there's none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth, because darkness has blinded his eyes. Now, guys, kind of stay with me up there if you don't care and pop this up on the screen. We... In, in, in chapter 2, verse number 3, it says, we know him. We know that we know him if we keep his commandments. In verse number 4, if we say we know him and keep not his commandments, we're a liar. In, cha- in chapter 2, verse number 5, it says we're to keep his word. And in that, the love of God is perfected in us. In, cha- in verse number 7, it says again, a new com- no new commandment, an old commandment. And it goes back to the beginning. What's he talking about? He's going back to Genesis and, and, the, and the law. In verse number 2, in chapter number 8, a new commandment. Now, by the way, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this, that not only is no 28 times in 1 John and 3 John, but knoweth is six times and known is six times. You add that up together, it's 40, there's 40, 40 or 40 sometimes he uses the word no, knoweth. God, you know what he's saying? God wants you to know something. And he don't mean maybe about it. Can I tell you something? Danny and I were talking this week about a person who passed away. And Van and I were talking about a person passed away. And we don't know that they were saved. Don't die that way. Amen. Don't die that way. Right. Don't, don't approach. And by the way, you don't know whether you're going to die in a hospital bed or in a car or, or, or eating breakfast. That's right. But know where you're at. Know, know where you're headed. All right. Now, let's talk about keeping the commandments. Uh, I'll tell you what you do, guys. Put up uh, chapter 3 in 1 John, verse 23. Let's do this before I go forward. Chapter 3. Let's go out and let the chapter, verse 23. Chapter 3, verse 23. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Son of Jesus, his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave his commandments. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him hereby know we that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. How many is getting the connection here that he's saying, you know, if you're really saved, there's something about keeping these commandments you better be thinking about. I want you to hang on now. Uh, go to chapter, verse number, tw- we got verse 24. Go to chapter 4, verse 21. Chapter 4, verse number 21. And this is the commandment, and this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. This is the commandment. Go to chapter 5, verse number 2. By this we know, there it is, that we love the children of God when we love God and do what? Look at verse number 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are what? Not grievous. grievous. All right. Now, let's go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Let's let's see if this is consistent uh, throughout the Bible. John chapter 14, verse 21. Last time I checked, Paul said, told Timothy, preach the word. He that, watch verse 21. Everybody there say amen. Amen. Uh, in verse number 20, at that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Okay, there's this salvation verse. Verse number 20, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them. 
Where did John get his idea about all this that we're writing in 1 John? Where did he get this stuff about keeping the commandments? See, you walk into the average church that believes in salvation by grace through faith and start preaching, keeping the commandments to them, they ain't going to like it because they think you're shifting into works over here. All right. He said in verse 21, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me and he that loveth me shall be loved to my father and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. And Judas saith unto him, not his carrier, Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? And Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words. Hmm. Look at verse 24. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. Go to John chapter 15, verse number 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done to you. It's a wonderful verse. In fact, my mother loves that verse. She always quoted that verse about prayer. Verse number 8, uh, herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Now, there's a difference between being a disciple and saved. You can be saved and not necessarily a disciple, and I understand that. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Now, notice how love comes before commandments. This is a big deal to this church, and this is a big deal to anybody, and I want you to get this this morning. Notice, John's the one that always writes about love. Love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gets over there in 1 John, he just love your brethren, love God, love the brethren. Love. He just constantly talks about love. But then he talks about keeping commandments. Verse number 10, chapter 15, John. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends, Look at verse 14. Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. Uh, for time's sake, we'll jump to verse 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatsoever ye shall ask in, my, in, in the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you that you love one another. And then he starts talking about the world hatedness and so forth. All right, now, let's talk about keeping the commandments. I want this very clear this morning before I go further that we do not endeavor by the grace of God to, quote, keep the commandments to be saved. Everybody got that? We do not keep commandments to be saved. But he teaches us that we are to keep his commandments to confirm that we're saved, to be the evidence of our salvation. That's just clear. You can't, you can't read all the verses we just read and say that's not true. Keeping commandments is an evidence of salvation. So what does it mean to keep commandments? Well, if I tell you I'm going to keep carry your cattle till you get back, I'm going to keep a garden this year, uh, what do you do? I keep house or I keep this, whatever. It means to, uh, you're talking about, David was a, watch this, a keeper of sheep. Okay, start, I want you to start getting old. What it means, because here's what a lot of people will do. The devil lie to you in this church. They're going to tell you that to keep his commandments means that you never, ever sin and you never break a commandment. That's not what it means. Okay, because you're, you're going to break commandments. You're not going to perfectly, it, it, we, keep cannot mean and does not mean that you don't ever sin. All right. What it does mean is that you do regard them as commandments and, and, and the desire and the will of God. And it is your purpose. And I'm going to show you what the purpose is to keep those commandments. And if God says to do, watch this, if God says to do it, if God says this is the way to walk, you have a heart to walk there. Now, I'm going to put this on the board and I'm going to show you clearly hear what the Holy Spirit of God is, is dealing with here. Uh, let me get this erased. This is a big subject to me and I'm going to tell you why. I can come in here and preach on sin and preach on standards and we try to hold this biblical standard in this church. And a kid goes to the church here for 12, 15, 15 20 years and if you don't get this this morning, you know what you'll think? You're under bondage. You'll think, I can't wait till I get out of that church. Get out from underneath all them rules. 
If you don't get this truth that he's preaching, Satan will have you in bondage thinking that church is bondage and that your salvation is bondage. All right? So, you say you're saved. What happens when a man, what's one of the products of salvation is that the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. That love that's being shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost will produce something and there's no getting away from it. He just pounds it and pounds it and pounds it and pounds it and there's a reason he's pounding it. It will a desire to obey God. You say you got saved? If you did, the Holy Ghost of God is going to shed abroad the, by the way, love is the first fruit of the Spirit. And all the other fruit descends off of that. The love of God is going to be shed abroad where? In your heart. Now watch this. Not a list of rules up here in church that you're supposed to do. Right. On your heart. Did not he say that he would write his law on your heart? Amen. Not on tables of stone, but on the table of your heart. God said, I'll write my laws. Here's what happens. This is why repentance must be preached in salvation. Here's what's going on. Preachers are told by their denominational mafia bosses that they need to get people in church and get the offerings up. So in order to accomplish that denominational mafia goal, they quit preaching repentance. And they say, if you'll just repeat after me and say your prayer, you're in. And they dunk you and you're good. You just wanted to go to heaven. You didn't want to change life. You just wanted not to go to hell. You didn't want God to change your life. You still wanted to enjoy your worldliness. So you kind of like those preachers and churches that say, hey, just say your prayer and we baptize you and you're good. And, and when it comes to something in the Bible, a command of God, and you say, well, I don't like that one. I don't worry about it, man. You're saved. You've got eternal life. No, God said, I'm going to tell you something. God pound this and you get this. I'm going to tell you something. Last thing Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. Anybody know what it was? It's finished. Don't be fooled. Many shall say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. <coughs> he said, it'll be so, it'll be so culturally moved in that they'll do miracles and wonders and signs and, and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this for you? And he'll say, depart from me, you cursed. I never, I never, not once I knew you, now I don't. I never, ever knew you. And he said, God is so, God loves you and me so much. He said, Reggie, I don't want you deceived. <clears throat> if you say, Reggie, you're saved, my love is going to be shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. And that love is going to motivate you to obey what I tell you to do. And I all the time watch people. It's just like you can see them split. One person you preach on a Bible commandment, and you're like, bless God Almighty. Lord, I tell you what, I want, I want, to, I want to do that. I want, I want to obey you, Lord. And that's what like. It's all over here in this church, what I can't do, what I can't do, what I can't do. You know what the problem is? The problem's not God. I'm going to be honest. The problem's not me. And the problem's not the Bible. The problem's your heart. The problem is you're not saved. I'm telling you. I know all about it. I was religious for 28 years. And felt like serving God was bondage. But when I got saved, born again, the Spirit of God, the love of God was shed abroad in my heart. And I just raised up and I said, God... Did you know what the Apostle Paul did when he got saved? Lord, what do you want me to do? 
He didn't say, well, I got my ticket to heaven and I'm going on and killing Christians. He was a different person. If any man, any man, any man, any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things become new. It's not, you didn't do that to become new. You did it because you are new. All right, now, so this is what happens. And obey in a spirit that comes out of the work of the Holy Ghost in your heart that gives you a desire to obey. I mean, what if I got up every morning in my life and said, I got to love Karen in just the pits. But I'm going to do it. Because if I don't, well, you know, no telling what. I just want you to know something. I really don't like you, but I'm going to live with you because I'm supposed to. That's a joy, isn't it? Isn't that, isn't that a riot? Well, I guess it's Sunday. My fishing boat, man, it looks good. But I'm going to go to church because I don't got to be mad at me. And the preacher will preach on me. So I'm going to go to stinking church and hear Reggie bray like a mule again. You <laughs> say amen, say amen, it's all right. But you got a problem. You got a problem. You're not saved. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more as the day approaches. That's a command. You see, it's not just what Jesus said in the red letters of your Bible. He, that's why I give you that. He is the Word. Amen. This, obeying God, watch this, keeping His commands becomes this. Evidence to you and others that you really are saved. You say, Reggie, now come on. You got any other scriptures? Back that up. There's a fellow by the name of James who said faith without works is dead. You say you have faith? I'll show you my faith by my works. You show me your faith without your works. You can't do it. Devils believe and tremble, he said. Now, what's he talking about when he talks about when he's talking about works? He's talking about the outworking of the Christian life in every realm of life that you live. And having the evidence is obeying the word of God, having a heart to obey the word. Again, it doesn't mean if I say I'm going to keep your sheep, that doesn't mean one didn't get away from me. If I say I will keep the commandments, it doesn't mean that I just do it all the time every day. But you know what there is inside me? There is a desire to. There's somebody living in here that says I want to obey. Now, is my flesh still disobedient? You better believe it. Does it still fight against my spirit? You better believe it. But there's somebody greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. And according to the power of the Holy Ghost working within me, I have a desire to obey God and keep His commandments. And that is the evidence that I'm saved to myself. If nobody else in the world, if I have a heart, if I've got a heart that says, God, I want to obey you. I want to, oh, Lord, I failed you. Lord, I failed you. But God, it's not what I walked. Amen. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Repentance isn't just when you get saved. It goes on all your life long. Yeah. Repenting. And that's what's missing. And that repentance is preparatory for the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. You've got to have changed attitude to change your mind. I mean, you've got to be able to say, God, I'll throw the white flag. You're boss. You're Lord. I'm wrong. You're right. Okay, so it means to, to keep, means to keep in-house, uh, to put in practice, to obey, to keep your word, to keep your promises. When you say keep your promises or keep your word, it means to last, to endure, to preserve. I'm just giving it, uh, here uh, Webster's definition of it, to continue, to hold in custody. But here was the big one that got me that he gave. Watch this one here. Oh, this is good. Webster said, as in keeping the stars. What does it mean for a sailor to keep the stars? When This is the one that got it through to me. 
Back in the old days, they would sail, right? They didn't have GPS like we got or satellites or nothing, right? But they did have something God gave them. It was stars. And they knew something about those stars. Watch this carefully. Ooh, this is good. Stars are in fixed position. The only way they could chart their course was by having a fixed position. Now, what's it mean to have a fixed position? Is there every time the same spot when you look at it? I've looked up to God every time. He's the same spot every time I look at him. I've got a fixed position. Now, what were they doing with the fixed position? Charting. Number one, figuring out where they were. You see that Bible? He said, I want to write these things that you can know. Amen. He said, here's how you're going to know. If you keep his commandments, you're going to know that you're in him. That you, okay? So he says, fix your position. First thing you need to do is get your position fixed in Christ. Get saved. And if you're not saved, you're listening to me today, right now where you're at. I'm talking right now. Right now. I'm not talking about 20 minutes from now. Right now. Say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm going to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. Totally. Nothing else that I can bring. Nothing. I don't bring nothing to you, God, except my plea for mercy in Jesus Christ. You do that while I'm preaching. God will save you right now. Amen. You say, Reggie, I've been in church a long time. I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care if every tadpole in the creek knows your name because you've been baptized a bunch of times. I'm telling you, you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And you call on him right now, God will save you. If he can save a thief on the cross, he can save you sitting where you're sitting. Amen. It's easy. In that sense, it's easy. It's just a matter of your will and admitting you're lost and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me for Jesus' sake. And I'm telling you right now, some of you kids have been brought up in a very good home, wonderful parents, but all you know is the prayer you prayed, and you went forward because somebody else went forward, and you thought that's it. And, and you, and, but there is no keeping of his commandments. There's no desire in your heart and your life to keep his commandments. You rebel every chance you can get. If I can get out of here, I don't, I don't like this. Something wrong. And so they got the fixed position. So now once the position is established, watch this, then they can chart their journey. You get saved, fixed position. Then you start charting your journey by the light. And you can sail through the darkness of this world by the stars a fixed position and charting your journey through. And you get saved, not only know your position in Christ, but you know where you're headed because you have a fixed position. Let me just tell you a little something. This is why they're putting, why the devil's putting out all these new Bibles. He does not want you to have a fixed position. Amen. It's big stuff, serious stuff. He doesn't want you to have a fixed position. Let me just tell you something. If you serve a God doesn't know what he said last year or 50 years ago, he's got to change his mind this year. You don't know if God's in a fixed position. Anyway. A fixed position is one that does not move. And our Bible is a fixed position. Now you say, Reggie, what's the practical effect of salvation to keep his commandments? How many things have you saved? You ought to obey God. It's to observe, to guard, to abide, to agree with God, to hold that truth as fixed principles to live by and to be guarded. Now, listen, let me tell you something. I'm, I'm going down, I'm, I'm going to that fixed position and I step off the trail a little bit. What have I got to do? What do I need to do? Get back to keeping his commandments. Keep in the path. Doesn't mean I don't step off. Doesn't mean I don't misstep or fall or stumble. But the key is, do I have desire to keep the commandments, the path? Commandments are not bad. They're good. Amen. How many things thou shalt not murder is a nice little commandment? Amen. Thou shalt not steal is a nice little commandment. Amen. They're good. There's nothing wrong with them. And God says, you know, to keep. Now, he's got a lot more than that. In fact, when you read the Bible, it just continues about it. Here's what you need to get a hold of. Commandments are not against you. They're for you. Amen. And do not look at them as bondage or anything like that. I'll give you an example. You live on a busy highway. Your, your house is 30 feet back. You have children. You say to your kids, don't go past that shrub. And your kid says, you're keeping me in bondage. Yeah. You're just commanding me. you got commandments and rules to live around here. And so the child walks off. 
It starts getting the highway. You run out there and get them, come back. You discipline them. You say, I told you, stay in here. Then pretty soon you find out his heart's not right about obedience. So you know what you do? You put up a chain link fence. This is what happens in your Christian experience all the time. God does not want to have a fence around you. But you won't mind. You won't stay in the past. So he's going to have to build a chain. So pretty soon you find out God has ways of building chain link fences around your life, buddy. If you won't, if you, I'm talking about if you're saved. I'm talking about if you're saved. And he'll, he'll put a chain link fence around you. Because you won't obey. And you have less liberty and less freedom because you won't obey. Freedom, liberty, this is why, do you ever think why they call it the liberty bell and not the freedom bell? Because there's a big difference. Liberty, the word liberty is a theological term in Leviticus. And that's, by the way, the verse that's on the bell. And it means that we will live as a nation within the perimeters of God's word. We will keep his word as a nation and we're going to have liberty as a result. God says, I promise you liberty. But you've got to keep my commandments. But the church has got an attitude nowadays. Oh, don't preach on the commandments. Don't be put, you're trying to preach people under the law. We're not under the law. We're under grace. Quit preaching those commandments. That's nonsense. What happens is you wind up being in bondage because you, you, you wind up being in bondage because you wouldn't live in the liberty of God. Amen. Let me give you an example. Young people, uh, you say, I don't want to live in bondage. I, I don't want to live under God's uh, commandments about uh, don't commit fornication. So you go lay around with everybody. First thing you know, you got venereal disease. Or you've got a, 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 a child, some you boys, I'm talking to you boys, you've got, you got a child out here. You've got to decide whether you're going to marry or not, or you're going to take care of it, maybe, maybe you're not. You've got all kinds of, you know what's happened? You're, you're, that chain link fence being built around you. Yeah. And first thing, those things you could have done, you can't do. And your conscience is fencing you in, and you're in bondage. Whereas God says, if you obey my command, don't commit fornication, free as a bird. Free as a bird, amen. Conscience clear, no problem. As I said, it doesn't mean you're sinless, but that the love of God, the fruit of the Spirit, has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost has given you a heart to obey and a heart that is not, has, doesn't have a disobedient spirit. And I was telling you this morning, I want you to get this. I can't see in your heart, don't know. But I can see, how many knows, how many can tell when your children obey and when they don't obey? You mean you're that smart? Are you that smart that you can tell when your kids obey? Do you think your Heavenly Father knows when you're obeying and when you're not obeying? Do you think, you're, do you think, do you think God knows when you, or, or do you think God Almighty, if you're lost, do you think God doesn't know if you have a disobedient, rebellious spirit against the Word of God? Sure He does. It's the point of the man wants to die and after this, the judgment. What do you think judgment's going to be about if he don't know? So, you're saved, and if you got saved... You know, let me just give you this little simple thing. The night I got saved, when I walked into that church, I could care less whether anybody went to heaven or not. When I got saved, walked out of church, I thought everybody ought to get saved. It's <laughs> just, what happened to me? Love of God shed broad my heart. Spent for the last 40 years just trying to tell people don't go to hell. There's a free, there's a free way to go to heaven through the blood of Jesus Christ. That love produces obedience. And God says, if that obedience is not there, that is evidence to you that you do not have the love of God. You are not saved. That's what that whole deal we read is, just says, basically, in hillbilly terms. All right. Hebrews 6, 9 says it this way. There are better things that accompany salvation. He's talking about the briars and the works of you know, the evil things. He said, that does, watch this, that disobedience, rebellious against God's commandments and disobedience to God's command are not things that accompany salvation. They do not accompany salvation. Now watch this. After a long, if you were here in Sunday school class, after a long train of abuse. Now here's what I watch for, and I bet you anything God does too. Because God's long-suffering, not willing any man perish. 
I see somebody get off the deep end here in church and, you know, get messed up or whatever like that. It doesn't shake me up much. I figure everybody can fall off the path and mess up. What I want to watch is, do you get back on? What's your attitude about it? I messed up. I sinned. I want to get right. My attitude ain't been right. I've had a hateful spirit toward Brother Breedlove. Brother Breedlove, I tell you, I ain't felt right toward it. I want to get right with God. The Bible said, I love my brother. There's evidence. God's dealt with me this week about it. I love you. I ain't just going on. But what I'm saying is, that's the kind of stuff to be going on in your, in your heart. Something, something needs to get fixed. No, I don't give a rip what they think. Two different worlds. Two different worlds. Um, Christ's commands. How many knows they're not holy suggestions? He has a command about salvation. Repent. Be born again. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a command. If you don't obey that command, you'll bust hell wide open. That's a command. By the way, you don't make him Lord. He is Lord. You don't make him nothing. There's going to be a day when every knee bows and every tongue confesses that he is Lord. You are going to submit eventually. And so it's its attitude toward him. Now, he's got commands about marriage. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loves the church. Wives, submit your own husbands unto the Lord. Children, obey your parents. These are commands. They're not holy suggestions. Morals. How about this one? Abstain from all appearance of evil. Don't tell me I can't listen to Dolly Parton. I know she's giving money to the queers and their organizations, but boy, I tell you what, she makes me feel good when she sings about her going out with another guy. When down in your heart, secretly, you just, oh, you can't wait to see Garth Brooks. <laughs> Garth, you come in church, sit like a wooden Indian, you have a problem. Jesus died on the cross for your sins, shed his precious blood for you, rose from the dead. You come in church and wonder how long I'm going to preach. You notice one of them up there wasn't singing just right. All you can see is the negative. All you can see is the bad. But oh, bless God. Garth Brooks could puke on the stage and you'd say, well, let me get a rag and clean it up for him. Amen. Just some of you ain't looking just quite like I'm going to tell you something you don't scare me nothing I love you perfect love casteth out fear I'm going to tell you about the preacher won't preach on this stuff he don't love you how about modesty oh one of the first thing God did with the first people he ever saved was clothe them Appearance, conduct, activities, entertainments. God's got commands on all that stuff. When somebody is saved, they immediately want other people to be saved. What about the command, go into all the world and, wit- you know, and, and bear witness of the gospel and teach the gospel? You say you love somebody. When's the last time you told anybody about Jesus? You see that? Genuinely saved will produce a love that's shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost that will produce obeying God. And there's all kinds of commandments in there. And I'm not saying, man, I'm going to do this command. I'm not talking about that. It's just that there's a heart inside you wants to do what God said to do. Amen. He said, raise your children, nurture and admonition of the Lord. He didn't say raise them in the public school. And I'm sorry, that's just the truth. Amen. He didn't say let the world have your children. He said, you raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He said, you make Christ preeminent in everything. And bless God, if God should, if Christ shouldn't be preeminent in your education, you tell me what he should be preeminent in. Amen. That means he's at the head of every study that you do. The fear of the Lord is the beginning, beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You'll get nowhere. You're wondering why this nation is crumbling? Because of this. We will not keep his commandments. We don't care what God said. We're going to do what we want to do. Yep. I, the world. Love not the world. Neither the things of the world. Any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
You like the way the world dresses. You like the way the world entertainments. You like the world's pleasures. You know what? Abraham, father of faith. He said he looked for a city whose building foundation is God, not built with hands. He said, I'm looking for a different country. Now, I told Karen this morning, I never in my life felt like I, was, I don't even belong in this world anymore. I just feel like, I, I just feel like I'm just... <sighs> the, uh, I, I want you to get something. They talk about the law of Moses. Now, watch this. Is the law of Moses the law of Moses? Is the law of Moses the law of Moses? And when they talked about the law of Moses in the New Testament or about Moses, what were they really talking about? Whose, whose, whose law was Moses giving them when he came down off the mount? It was God's law. And all of a sudden, the devil's made us split things in two. Got the law of Moses. Last week, we talked about there's three sections of the Old Testament law. There's ceremonial, there's moral law, and there's dietary law. Dietary law has been set aside. Ceremonial law was fulfilled completely in Jesus Christ, but you're still totally under the, under the moral law of Almighty God. Nothing's been advocated. And you're responsible for it. So here's what the deal is. Again, does the law save you? No. Does keeping commandments save you? No. But he said, there's something you better realize. This ain't so phony, baloney, Mickey Mouse, milk and toast lemonade deal. Salvation produces a changed life by the power of God inside you. And the evidence will be that you have a heart to obey the word of God. I'm going to tell you something. Every Sunday you're going to come in here. You may hear something you've never heard before or never read in the Bible, never realized what it was teaching. And you've got a choice to make. Lord, I want to do your will. I want to do what your Bible teaches. Or, bless God, that's your opinion. You can do what you want to with this message. I'm going home and eat after a while. <laughs> Amen. I'm like mailman. I'm flipping the box and I'm headed on down the road. Now let's go back to 1 John chapter 2 there. Salvation does not manifest itself in a rebellious, worldly, disobedient attitude. This is why repentance, both at salvation and after salvation, is critical. The devil specializes, folks, in a, Jesus, a faith in a Jesus that allows you to make the commandments. That allows you to pick which commandments you want to obey. You're Jesus. Does he have authority over you? I want to ask you. Listen to me. Hey. We're not praying. Get your head up. The Jesus you claim that saved you, do you obey him? Do you have a heart to obey him? What is it that ticks you off that you don't like in the commands of God, that you're bucking against? Your Jesus has no authority. Your Jesus is one who you make him to be. He's not the real Jesus of the Bible, and you're lost. Now, I'm going to read what I'm getting ready to preach here, and I wrote this down so I wouldn't get off the wagon. I wrote this down this morning before I come to church. As I said earlier, I believe with all my heart, some of you are deceived about your salvation. Your profession of salvation is not manifested by the love of God should have brought that you have a heart to obey the word of God. Be hearers, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. This is what John's right. Him and, him and James comes together on this. The love of God and love for God being shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. There's no loving submission. There's no loving obedience to the word of God and his commands. In fact, you feel like you're in bondage. You feel like you're in prison. And why? Because you do not have the love of God shed abroad in your heart. And the reason you don't have the love of God shed abroad in your heart is because you are not saved. So what will happen? There's going to be some things happen to you. And I'm going to tell you what it is. Six months or a year from now, you will not be in this church. And I'm going to tell you why you won't be in this church. Because you will not allow God to command you to do anything. Only what you want to do. Only what you feel like you need to do to make things okay in your life. You're going to be selective about what you think God can tell you what to do and be. You do not have the love of God motivating that obedience to his commands in you. To, to you, it's just rules. 
So, somebody tells you about their church and their hoopla, and you go there, and everybody's just friendly, and everybody's just so sweet to you and everything, and they never talk about sin and judgment and hell and, and obedience to God or nothing like that or worldliness. And they just, they're just doing this, and having such a wonderful time, and, oh, I just felt the presence of God. I want to ask you something. Did you know the Bible talks about another spirit that will claim to be the spirit of Christ? But what happens, because you felt like obeying the commands of God, the simple obeying commands, it's going to drive you to false religion. So, here's what will happen to you. Can I tell you in advance what's going to happen to you? You will begin to demonize me. You will see inconsistencies in Reg Kelly's life. And you'll start demonizing me. And the reason you'll do it, so you can justify what you're doing. And then you'll take it another step further and you'll start demonizing the church. And then you'll leave. And here's the stupid part. You'll think you left on your own. And you didn't. God took you out. He messed with you. He'll usually mess with you just about as long as he did with David and Bathsheba's situation. God gave David a year to get his heart right. David wouldn't do it on his own. He had commands of the Lord that he would not obey. And finally, God said, I'm sending a man to you. God, let me just tell you what will happen to you. God will orchestrate your way out of this church. I've seen it and seen it and seen it. I've watched people have a rebellious, disobedient spirit to the word of God, clear word of God, not some doubtful disputation. Buck up, justify it, rationalize it, just kind of get, you know, halfway cold. Don't want to be involved in nothing about church. They come in, they come out, they have no heart to serve, you know, there's nothing to... And disobedient toward God's commands, and the next thing you know, it's just like God will say, here, we're going to take you out of here because... You're hurting the spirit of God here. Amen. Over and over. It, let me tell you something, folks. It, it ain't funny. God will orchestrate your departure. Now I'm going to take your Bibles to Acts chapter 9 and we're going to be done. Acts chapter 9. I want to show you something. I love you and I mean it. But I'm going to tell you who I love more than I love you. I love the Lord. Boy, I'll tell you what, he took me on a ride this morning, early. Chapter 9 is where the, where the Apostle Paul got saved. Let's pick it up. Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest and desired to him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that he may, if he found any of this way, where they were men and women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now some of you want to know why I brought this stick with me. Um, We don't have a picture of it, but what does it mean when the Holy Ghost and when Jesus said to Paul, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks? Right here is what the Bible is talking about a prick. You've heard of pin prick? It is a sharp object that sticks you and causes you pain and will make you move. It will get your attention. And it was used in oxen plowing. Now this is, I just did this real fast this morning. I wouldn't want to carry this. It's not that heavy, but I wouldn't want to carry it around all day. Use a very, very light stick, very light. They could just kind of throw it over like this or something. Real light so it wouldn't distract them. And when an oxen would get out of line or start getting ornery to another oxen or pulling out of, the, out of the row, the plowman would take this and kick it. Now, uh, Paul, God told Paul, he said, Paul, it's hard for thee to kick against pricks. Now, here's what was going on. When they preached on the day of Pentecost, guess what, preach, guess what Bible preaching does? The Bible said they were pricked in their hearts. Yes. 
what? Do you mean that you go into church and the preacher is the oxman of God? And he's to go like that? I came to church and all I got was pain. All I got was hurt. That preacher preached against my sin. He doesn't love anybody. Now watch this. I was not too smart, but I got enough sense, Kenny, to have a stick long enough that the ox can't reach me. I've been around cattle all my life. There's one thing you, you don't do. You either get a long way away from them or you get right next to them. Because if you stand back about two foot, he's going to kick your teeth out of your head. Now, if you get right up next to him and shoulder him like that, and he, he's kicking, it's one thing. But you stand back here and go, he's going, bam. So the ox, watch this. So the stick was long enough that you reached the ox and he goes, boom. He's kicking ain't nothing. He ain't going to catch nothing. Boom. And you, boom. Boom. Left side, boom. And all you're doing your whole stinking life is going, boom. You're kicking against God. And you know why you don't enjoy church? Because you're kicking against God. God, you you came into church and and the Lord, the Holy Ghost, preached your heart about something, just wanting to help you, just wanting to draw you closer to himself, just wanting you out from underneath the bondage of the devil, just wanting you to have the fullness of joy and obedience to God. And the Holy Ghost deals with you about a little area of your life and you're boom, boom, boom. You know what's going to happen to an old ox just kicks all day long? He's right. He's exactly right. He's going to slaughter. Unharness him. Get him off the yoke. Do you know why I'm still in the ministry after 40 years? I've had a few of these. And I don't like them. And I can't kick God. He's too far. I can't reach him. I can't hurt him. I got one choice. Either quit kicking, line up, straighten up, or I'm out. You get it? You come to church, preacher, if he's preaching the Bible, how can you sit and listen to the Bible be preached and not get hit once in a while? If you can, you help me? I don't know. How can you keep coming to church and the Holy Ghost not going, hey, that, I, I'm talking to you. You need to get back in the power row. You need to quit making horning the ox beside you. And if you're not careful, here's what happens. Just kick, kick, kick until you're so stinking wore out. The church makes you mad and the preacher makes you mad and everything makes you mad. And you, until you just... And so it sounds awful good to go to a church where they just don't ever have one of these. Anyway, I don't know. Are you getting the message or not? <laughs> Amen. Oh, Paul. You know what happened? Paul was being pricked. Jesus spoke in the sense this is already happening to you, Paul, and it was. The Bible said that he held the, the clothes of the people who stoned Stephen, and Stephen said, Lord, laid out this in their charge. That was pricking his heart. He was walking up the road with those papers in his hand to arrest those people. And the Holy Ghost of God, his conscience was saying, you're the, you're the wicked one. You're the one that ought to be murdered. You're not the right one. Those people are the right. They're the ones obeying the law of God, not you. You're out murdering innocent people, Paul. And prick, 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 prick. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost shined down in Paul. I mean, he had enough of it. He said, I want loose from the bondage of my sin and disobedience. And God set Paul free. And he was kicking against God the whole time. He's kicking against God. Well, folks, I'll tell you what. Here's what I'm preaching to you today. Uh, again, Matthew chapter 7, verse, put Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, 20 up, up and I'm going to get you out of here. Not everyone that saith unto me, that's exactly the phrase that John used in 1 John 2. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that what? doeth the will. Did you know this is God's last will and testament? What is he saying? 
obey my word. And if you don't obey the word, it's evident that you do not have the spirit of God, the fruit of the spirit, the love of God in you. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? That sounds like church work to me. And in thy name have cast out devils. That sounds like big revival meetings to me. And in thy name done many wonderful works. Sounds like religious works to me. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him to a wise man which built his house upon a rock. I want to ask you, what's your attitude toward the commands of God? What's your attitude? Is it, I'm, I'm telling you, search your heart. Don't be afraid to search your heart. Amen. Say, Lord, search my heart today. What is my attitude like? Do I have a heart? Is there something God did inside me that makes me want to serve the Lord? Makes me want to obey God? I'm not saying that your flesh won't fight you every day of your life. But there's got to be somebody living inside who says, I want to obey God. And I grieve when I don't. And this is not the path of life that I want for myself. There's somebody living inside me that says, I want to do what God tells me to do. Let's bow our heads and stand. Heavenly Father, this morning we thank you for your word. Without it, we'd be wandering in darkness. I thank you, Lord, that you want us to know that we're saved. You want us to know that we know. I thank the Lord that you've given the evidence. You said faith without works is dead. Some folks are coming already to the altar, folks. If the Lord's dealt with you today, if that old prick stuck, if the Lord spoke to your heart, would you come right now? Don't, please don't wait for some big invitation deal. Just, just come on and say, dear Lord Jesus, I want my heart to be right. You know, Brother Ronnie Simpson told me one time, he said, Reggie, revival will come when the best Christians in the church and he said, they'll, it always starts with the best Christians, the ones that already have a heart to serve. They already have a heart. And he said, they start getting right with God. And then he said, the next thing you know, those who have a rebellious heart will start getting right with God. Father in heaven, I pray, oh God, that we would all take this. Lord, I, help me, Lord. And I pray, Lord, help folks to know that I'm not just preaching at them. I'm preaching at myself. And, oh, God, I thank you that your word reveals us, Lord. It's a mirror that we can honestly see ourselves in, not who we think we are, but what we really are. And, God, I don't want to face judgment. I don't want to go live tomorrow and work tomorrow and go through this next week, if you give that to me, self-deceived. And, Lord, you know I don't want these people deceived. I don't want anybody in this church, Lord, to just make some little shallow profession, but their heart was never, trans Lord, transformed by the power of Almighty God. God, help today everything to happen in this service that ought to happen. For your glory's sake, I pray. As our heads are bowed and eyes closed this morning, now listen to me carefully. I know that I've got an edge. I've been told that. I've had people say, Reggie, I don't like to listen to you preach because you just got a little edge about you. And it hinders me. And I, I don't want that to be. I really don't. But I want to tell you something this morning. With all of heart, heart, my heart, as mean as I am, I don't want you deceived about where you're going to spend eternity. I do not want you trapped in self-deception. And if you have a heart that just, there's some things in the Bible and you know it's right, but you just, you've carved it out to where you've justified it and you've rationalized it and you're in rebellion and you're kicking against the pricks. I'm going to tell you something. It ain't going to turn out good for you. And I'm asking you this morning, if that's the case, just slip out of your seats. It just kind of, hey, we all have to. We all have to. Ain't a soul in this church. Ain't not a man behind his pulpit, but what don't have to say, God, I'll tell you what, I didn't obey you there. and I, My attitude ain't been right about that. God, please help me. Forgive me, Lord. Would you let, Lord, you see, I want to tell you something. Listen to me real careful right here. I won't know this till I get to heaven, but I really believe that if Paul hadn't quit kicking against the pricks that day, God had been done with him. And you'd have never heard about Paul. He'd have been in hell. Nameless through eternity in that sense. And God would have turned to somebody else to fulfill what he had called Paul to do before Paul was ever saved. Oh, the, the wisdom of God. Please, this morning, would you just let God have his way? 
Let God have his way. You may be here today and say, Reggie, I, I said a prayer one time, but there's no, I don't, I don't have a heart for God. I just don't want to go to hell, that's all. Would you come? Would you come? We're going to dismiss, sing a hymn. But if, you, if you're here today and you've never been born again in the Spirit of God and maybe you've got questions or things you don't quite understand and you'd like to meet with me and, and say, hey, Reggie, I'd like you to show me in the Bible how to be saved. I'm going to be up here at the front after we've dismissed and I'll be waiting on you. And if I can, I'll help you, point you to the Lamb of God. So feel welcome to come. I'll just be right here beside the pulpit waiting on you. And I'll tell you who my heart goes out to most. It's to that person who's fighting inside because you know everybody thinks you're saved, but you're not. You know it. You know there's no evidence of it in your life. You love the world, the things of the world. God said friendship with the world is enmity with God. James and John wrote a lot alike. And you know that your heart is not obediently. To you. you know, in the Old Testament, Samuel told Saul to obey is better than sacrifice. God, brother, you just do what his word says and obey his commandments and keep his commandments. Keeping them means that you, you accept them, that you want them to rule your life and you're keeping them. You're not throwing them away and saying, I don't want that one, I don't want that one, I don't want that one. But you're keeping those commandments. God, help us in this church to be a church that doesn't just talk, but a church that does. Lord, help us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.